0: Preparing to delve in three, two, one. Hello everybody and welcome to Delve. My name is Nathan, and today I am joined yet again for a four-peat, five-peat, I'm not sure <laughs> how many times. It's a lot of times, but we're always happy to have him on. Craig Campbell. How are you doing? No. Hey. Uh, now, uh, now, Craig, uh, you are w- probably one of the most prolific among game designers that I've had on the show. <laughs> I, th- I think you've literally made seven games every year for the entirety of time, <laughs> right? <laughs> well not
1: not quite that. But I'm at. Uh, let's see. I'm an first, One, two, three. Pirates, which is short. I' laughing. Technically, I guess like seven significant game books that okay. include supplements, you know, Okay. Um. and then, and then there was like a little thing that I did that was like four little games. And then this is, this is game number eight or book number eight.
0: That's still pretty prolific.
1: I didn't realize that I was like doing that, if I, that I was quote unquote prolific, but I've had a few different people say that to me over the last year or so. Mm. And people ask like, well, how do you, how do you like do so much? How do you keep on track? And I was like, well, you know, it helps to have supplements. Yep you're not like you're not inventing a whole new game, and it also helps to not be married and have no children
0: yes yes these are also factors that really do help. I've found it very useful for my for my productive career too yeah yeah you'd be surprised how much energy in the day when you don't have like loved ones you have to worry about
1: you've got loved ones you worry about, but there none of them are in the house and you don't have to deal with them That's right true. in the moment all the time you this know, is you're, true. you're not you're not torn in that direction too yeah. uh, to so like form yeah. your Duties and responsibilities for all the people that depend on you. Oh, I understand. Or that uh, oh, yeah. That want your time. Oh, yes. I can. I can just crunch. I can just crunch on games here and
0: there. I know the people that I uh, share a domicile with. Not too long ago, were like, "Oh, we're there, there are some kittens. We should get kittens." And I'm like, "Oh man, this is a like. I understand. I like cats and everything. But at the same time, um, there, there's one more thing, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm gonna have to think about." On the upside,
1: mm-hmm. kittens become cats. So like true the, 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 the rambunctiousness of the kitten yeah it's replaced by the sort of lazy attitude of most cats. <laughs> right. Um, like if you got if you got a dog, depending on the oh. breed, like that dog's a dog the whole time until like age starts to catch up with it. Oh yeah. So, like if you want if you want some excitement for a while, yeah, get a kitten, and then you can just have like you know, a quiet companion that mostly tolerates you for the remainder of its life.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the uh the thing is is that like yeah, they're only a couple months old. So right now it's just yeah. running nonstop. Super
1: um, kitty, kitty yeah. crazy, super kitty.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> uh so yeah, looking forward to them getting old <laughs> right <laughs> now. But anyway. Uh so usually when you're on we're we're talking about capers, which I am always happy to talk about, but we actually have a different project that we're talking about now. So so please give me a little bit of a synopsis about uh Good Strong Hands.
1: Good strong hands is a uh, tabletop role-playing game where you portray Uh, like fantastical creatures or humans from Earth who have traveled to this realm called Reverie. And you are working to save it from destruction by this horrible, malevolent force known only as the Void. Um, And the Void pops up every few centuries, tries to destroy Reverie, and heroes must rise up. And you are playing one of those
0: heroes. Okay. Um, Why, uh, Why did you call it Reverie?
1: Well, I needed a a name for a fantastical world, and I liked the idea of of not just like making up a name but like actually using a word that means something sure um in English and a reverie is a daydream mm. um so it just kind of like in the game um you the, the players and the gm work together to kind of build the game as you go build the world so there's basic there's some basic information that's provided in the game book but there's a lot of expectation um and uh, uh by the gm of the players to help to build the world so like to describe what the what your folk are like and to describe describe what the world is like what what the geography is like and what the towns and cities are like and what pe- you know uh, kingdom's attitudes and and their histories are and so forth um so it felt like reverie fit because reverie is a daydream it's like you could imagine like you're just kind of sitting around just like imagining up this world yourself like in a daydream just kind of like what would it be like to you know be in this wonderful fantastical place with all these like weird creatures um, these magical beings um and then of course you know you have to inject it with a bunch of conflict and have like this thing that wants to destroy it all
0: (laughs) right 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 i see so so reverie kind of as a concept almost sounds like uh, almost like theater of the mind in how you uh in in, in how you utilize it which is great for rpgs anyway because i'm usually thinking of it in those terms but you're taking it quite literally
1: you're kind of just dreaming it up together
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and rather than having a whole bunch of lore to digest or for the GM to dole out as you play, um, you invent a lot as you're going.
0: Okay, okay. So that process, because you know, technically we are a mechanics show. I, I no, no one really even knows that anymore. But we do, we do mostly oh, talk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the genesis was that we were talking about game mechanics, and then we kind of just did design in general because we there was so much else that we wanted to talk about. But uh, since we are technically, a, I guess, a design show, uh, I, right. did, I did want to talk a little bit about how that is implemented when we're actually getting into the gameplay. So tell me a little bit about the process of uh, developing. I, I'm taking it that this is not exactly the same system that you were making for, like, capers or die laughing or anything like that. You, you built something new for this? I'm a sucker.
1: Um, I build a new system for every game that I do because okay. I decide that like there's well there's a thing I want this game to do, and I could take this other system that right. I've designed or another system that's like out there that's like licensable or open license or whatever, and I could try to ram my concept into that thing and kind of tweak. But ultimately, I was just you know like I want a uh, a mechanic. This like this game I wanted it to keep it simple. I want the. Uh, I want task resolution to not be uh, bi- uh, binary. I want there to be you know different variations of things that ha- can happen and i want I want failure to be interesting and useful and I want uh, even success to be surprising
0: mm, okay
1: um so I kind of worked those sorts of things just to keep like keep things theoretical to begin with, but we can we can dive. Into the actual mechanics, if you want,
0: right? Because I'm I'm kind of wondering how you implemented that. Uh, how how do you do that in terms of the actual mechanics? Um, well, it's a simple system.
1: Um, you've got four traits, and that's going to govern most of what you do: um, body, mind, charm, and heart. And they're all kind of what they sound like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and each of them is going to be rated one through four, um, higher being better. When you have uh, a task that you wish wish to attempt that, you know, has like real chance of failure, or real consequences. Um, you'll make a trait check and you'll roll a number of D6s equal to your rating in the appropriate trait. Uh-huh. And you're shooting for a target number of four five or six determined by the GM. Um, with, the, with the intention of getting at least one success um, on a die, at least one of the dice will equal or exceed the target number.
0: I see. Okay. Okay, so this makes sense to me, because the more dice that you have, the better your odds of hitting that four, five, or six. Right. I, I, I get you. I get you. Now, now what happens with extra successes?
1: Well, um, kind of working from the bottom up, let's do this. Uh, okay. If you fail, if you don't get any hits, you know, none of the dice hit the target number,
0: yep.
1: um, you, you, you don't succeed at the task, and the GM um, can introduce a complication. So there'll okay. be something that'll kind of mess up the story. Um, but you also mark a skill, which is a a checkbox track that's on your character playbook. Um, and there's uh, when you fill up the skill track, you advance your character in some way. so you learn through failure.
0: okay, okay.
1: Um, if you succeed with exactly one die hitting the target number, you succeed on the check um and uh, on, on the, in the task, and you gain. Uh, a spirit you mark one spirit on the spirit track um and spirit is a uh is a currency in the game you'll you'll gain points and spend points for different reasons Mm. um so you don't you don't sit on them necessarily you'll you'll use them up okay if you if you get two or more successes um on the dice two or more hits um you succeed you gain a boon, which is to say you you, know, you do better. There's some extra aspect to your success. Mm-hmm. And you mark one uh, shadow, which is another track that you will uh, mark to fill up. And shadow represents the void seeing that you are capable and a hero. And it decides it's going to try to corrupt you. So it plants seeds of, of doubt and shadow and darkness in you. And if you if you fill up your shadow track, you gain a corruption. Oh. which is a power it's it's a, and it's usually a pretty interesting and uh maybe even powerful um, ability mm-hmm. but it comes from a dark place it comes from the void um and then if you gain too many corruptions and you fill up your shadow track again you you lose your character to the void your your character becomes an agent of the void come fallen
0: oh okay i do i don't don't want that or i do want that i well, i feel like i'm gonna be powerful <laughs> but i'm also th- that doesn't sound good to me
1: like <laughs> well, well there's a lot of ways to play it some people might resist the the corruptions outright and try to offset their shadow because you can spend spirit on that currency right to stop uh, to keep from marking shadow okay um uh and then uh, you can you know you can potentially Gain a corruption or even two and not really be in danger of falling over to the void yet. It's after you gain that third corruption um, Mm -hmm. that things are like, "Eh." yeah, (laughs)
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, So it becomes
1: a question of kind of walking the line and the game is sort of designed to like, if you, if you, if you play long enough and you roll enough dice, um, there's going to be enough times that you're not going to have the spirit available to offset that shadow and you're going to gain some so you're going to gain a corruption and you can't, you can you could in time um fall to the void it's just a question of well then maybe you want to defeat the void once and for all or at least for this round um
0: mm. uh
1: for this arrival um before you do fall over
0: to the void okay no, but now if i if i defeat the void can i no longer fall like do i get any corruption power like do, am i am i getting rid of all of my corruptions because i defeated the void if the void is where the power stems from
1: I, uh, um not- well the the if you defeat the void the game is effectively over like that campaign is effectively done
0: oh perfect um, okay so <laughs> i
1: i you know what i i've never really um like well what happens to the corruptions after the void is gone?
0: because <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, after the void is gone, you're not playing the game anymore right
1: um i would i would imagine you carry that corruption with you okay um and that like the void doesn't you don't destroy the void completely like it's it's just it's it's the manifestation of entropy um it's ever present it's going to come back eventually you are just you're just keeping it from destroying the world now so and should you if you if you were playing a long-lived type of folk um you could ostensibly you know play your character's the void gain some corruptions in the process and then okay and then the gm says okay and now we fast forward 200 years to when the void comes again oh you are still you know and now you're the old version um Mm -hmm. of of that character that could be an interesting twist on the campaign you play through two defeats of the void Mm -hmm. Um, once as a young uh, as a youngling you know as like all full of uh you know bright-eyed and bushy tailed and full of stars Mm-hmm. Um, and then once, as like the the kind of jaded older um, character that has carried the corruption, carried their war wounds, so to speak, yeah. with them throughout their life.
0: Oh yes. Now they're
1: they're called they're called upon again to step up and defeat the void.
0: Yes, yes. I had an idea for a for a campaign that was kind of like that. You know, because you usually take out you know heroes when they're they're fresh faced and new, and they're going yeah. out into the world to do adventuring. And I kind of had this interesting idea of um well what if you had your know, your party had gone out into the world and they had defeated, you know, like a demon that was threatening the world and then they went off to their regular lives, you know, and they they started their kind of like, you know, civilian lives and then it turns out that the thing they thought they had defeated was not defeated and was just biding its time to come back even stronger and now they're called back into service 20 years later and uh, and have to be like, "Ah, oh, man, we gotta go do this again, <laughs> <And> <laughs> have, to, have to find all right, let's go back out, I guess, <laughs> just you know, a little bit older, a little bit worse for wear, kinda of, you know, out of the adventuring life, probably kind of got used to not going out and slaying monsters, and then somebody calls upon them and says. Uh, yeah, but you're the only ones with actual experience defeating this thing, so we kind of need you to do that because no one <laughs> else, no one else, like we, all the all the fresh faced adventurers, they're getting killed by this. You have to come out and do it. Uh, I always thought that was an interesting idea because you know it's it it's so paradoxical to what you normally think of for like uh a, your typical RPG party. You you usually figure they're starting out; it's the first time and everything's new and fresh and what if you just had veteran adventures and they were they they had to do it and they're not they're not even happy about it they don't even want to do it
1: hey hey nathan yeah i have designed the alpha version of that exact game perfect (laughs) perfect it's called tentatively titled one last dungeon Oh, um, where it's just, yeah, it, it's the idea you're playing retired adventurers who are completely out of practice. Huh. Um, all the skills are there, but they've forgotten them. They're really rusty. And so they have to go yes. back and do one last dungeon and fight the bad thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the story is is about them remembering how to do all that stuff.
0: Ooh, perfect.
1: So And so when they start out, they're really bad at it. And yes. They fail a lot. Yes. Um, but then as they go along and they kind of get their legs under them again. Yeah, Um, yeah, I've I've toyed around with that idea.
0: Yeah. I, I just like the idea of you have the experience and the knowledge, but, you know, time has taken a bit of a toll on you. Maybe not so much for, like, an elf as for a human, but still, time marches on. But that's cool. Okay. So, so I already, okay. So you've already made that game for me. See, this. Oh,
1: no, no. I've, I've, (laughs) I've, I've I've written a little bit of it and I've play tested a little bit and it's kind of sitting on a shelf right now. Oh, okay. It's not made by any means.
0: Okay. 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 It's on a shelf somewhere waiting to be played. I still consider that mission accomplished. That's okay. I I go with that. This, this is good. In the bag. One last dungeon good to go yeah
1: and it's it's it acronym is old perfect so i my i envision the book title being um e- each word on a line and it being left justified yeah so that you get old top to bottom
0: yes <laughs> perfect <laughs> that's a play on red a little bit extremely dangerous perfect yeah perfect congratulate i don't have to envision this anymore someone thought about this before me that's perfect and someone may return to it someday <laughs> yeah you might, you might well you are one of the most prolific game designers
1: right it'll be one of the 77 that i create the next year
0: it will be one of the 77 the new 42 from craig campbell yes. Good lord! <laughs> there you go there's there's the uh there's the goal we need to well you know bigger stronger hands that's you know we we, we, there's follow-ups there's obviously follow-up but anyway what was i telling oh right uh what happens to corruptions was you what are some i don't know okay the campaign's over the the campaign's (laughs) over we don't need to think too much about it past that what are some of the corruptions that you that you get that you can get
1: oh boy what are some of the fun ones let me let me roll down the list real quick so there are some like every every playbook has three corruptions and they're they're tailored to the type of folk that you're playing, right? Okay. So they kind of they kind of fit kind of the theme of the folk. Um one of my favorites is for the fawns, which are your uh you know, your kind of uh hand style fawn, you know, like performers, 3 legged goat goat pe- half goat people, they perform. Um and they have uh one of their corruptions is endless dance, where they can cause a creature to dance forever. Oh my. Um yeah, that's a really nasty corruption. It you mark you don't just mark a shadow when you use it, you mark two permanent shadow cuz it effectively removes that creature from the storyline completely. Oh. Anything on. that kills or removes a a, a target from the storyline completely is super expensive. Yeah, um, because it's 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 straight up murder.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, this one I was really proud of the uh the name for this one. Imps have a uh and, and you know, and they're mildly devilish, right? Mm-hmm. They have a corruption called "greatest trick." Mark a shadow, and one sapient creature forgets you exist. They can't see or hear you, and don't remember you. Oh, um, and that is that is blatantly pulled from Aziz Soze. Say, <laughs> say in Usual Suspects, saying the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you he didn't exist. Right.
0: Oh, well, right. yeah. The
1: pull's the greatest trick is like they just you just completely forget them.
0: Well, there's something. I so that's the Kaiser Soze. That's pulling a Kaiser Soze, a great. little bit. Great, <laughs> great, love it. Uh, well, while I'm looking at the uh, the Kickstarter page, the uh character that I'm seeing, I think that this is the example that you're giving is for the Wildkin, uh, which I I appreciate because it looks like they're an otter people, and I like one, otters. Yes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, half. Yeah,
1: there's you. You can be a. There's a bunch of different mammal type people that you can be there's foxes and you know fox wild kin otters um mm-hmm. rabbits and badgers all described
0: but most people are probably going to be the otter yeah uh, well the great <laughs> thing is i hadn't come up
1: with the otter thing i only had the other three in a play test and somebody said why aren't there otter kin mm-hmm. i said there are now yeah um, <laughs> because i immediately i immediately latched on what i can do to make because the the thing about wildkin is they all have like a mode of of movement Mm -hmm. that they're really really good at so foxes run rabbits jump badgers burrow um and i was like oh well, otters okay they swim so like you know like immediately that was easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you can play an otter kin and you can you can transform into an otter and you can swim really well and you can talk to other otters
0: okay yeah i mean I, i get the other ones like a fox and i and fox is a good one, and and rabbit, yeah, I, I can totally understand. There's whole book series about rabbits and foxes, but and and ba- yeah. and badger. I mean, you don't mess with honey badgers, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the second otter pops up, it's like, oh yeah, obviously people are going to want to be the otter. That's I mean, just adorable. People people <laughs> love otters, yeah,
1: yeah, and <laughs> that's why that's why the otterkin ended up being like I had to I had to choose between the
0: four, right? I had to yeah. pick one to have on the on the playbook. Yeah. I was like not the otter because they're just, so cute just the otters i mean come on we kind of have to um you know how
1: otters otters have a favorite rock that they keep as like a toy and tool yeah she's she's throwing a little rock in the air
0: i see that that's perfect <laughs> that's
1: perfect um but there's there's all sorts of little um like whimsical bits kind of in there some are some are things i came up with that i put into the art orders and some are things that the artist came up with um Beautiful. if you if you go up to the you actually go down sorry to the the six folk that are all laid out there mm. um you'll see that the, the woodkin on the right the tree guy yeah um he's got a bird's nest in his hair
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: that was not in the art order that was the artist who totally got what i was trying to do yeah. and said oh i'm gonna put a bird's nest up there and have little birds yeah. flying around
0: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. just have a bird nest up there perfect i love that This that's that's terrific but, uh, I, like, I was thinking to myself, well, I'll look at some of the corruptions for the Wildkin, and the first one that comes up is Destroy Bonds, and that just sounds horrible, because it's, <laughs> it's, let's see, Mark 1 shadow, Sunder the emotional bond between two other creatures, and <laughs> I'm just, like, ooh, vicious. <laughs> yeah. Just, just well, like, they're, the corruptions are... They're,
1: they're icky they're nasty the void is trying to destroy an entire world yeah so yeah they're, they're all over the place from like just killing to like punishing and and really hurting people on an emotional level and there's all sorts of stuff in there so like yeah like if if your character somehow went up against a a fallen wildkin and they used that destroy bonds on you normally in, in the in the description it just says you you know you mark a shadow and you just do it but when you're playing a hero, whenever something's used like something like that is used against you, you get to resist it. So oh. you get a chance to to avoid it because you're a hero. Um oh, I see. So but if but if you don't resist it, like they could conceivably like destroy the um the bond between you and one of one of the other members of the party. Like you the two characters just don't care about each other anymore. And that could have all sorts of implications wow. in the
0: campaign. That's uh that's scary. So I mean, adorable otter, but uh don't don't <laughs> mess with otter. I do like the idea of having those corruptions, like, because it does feel like, yeah, they, these are, these are great, powerful things. And also, uh, we'll, will absolutely, you know, darken your soul by utilizing them.
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's described in the book too, that like, there's a cosmetic change to your character. Like you need to, as you gain corruptions, like, out something about your nothing that's going to cause a specific disadvantage or affect the rules, but there's like something about you changes. Maybe your hair becomes all disheveled and matted, or your eyes turn gray or black, or oh, um yeah, okay. you know you can never get completely clean, oh, um and you're all you always smell. You know, there's just like pick yeah. a thing that just like because oh, as a character falls to corruption, it becomes apparent that they're they're tainted in some way, which can uh, again also affect um, your interactions with NPCs and
0: yeah so yeah far. yeah reminds me of like when uh when i'm playing an rpg and they have the morality scale and uh if you go to the dark side <laughs> you see your characters appearance start to get like gray and veiny and maybe they grow horns or something like that it's yeah. uh sort of like that kind of idea uh yeah that's uh there's,
1: there's an illustration that has not been done yet that'll be done as part of finishing up the kickstarter Become, uh, that's going to be a side by side of the same pixie twice mm. um here's the pixie completely without corruption and here's the pixie very corrupt so you'll see like
0: Ooh.
1: we're gonna have you know like um sallow skin and dark eyes and um their wings will be mangled and
0: wow, wow. You know,
1: messy hair and dirty yeah. and everything
0: yeah dark pixies Ooh, i like that yeah like uh, on the one hand Kind of scary, and on the other hand, way cooler. That was always me, as like, I know that I'm like supposed to be evil now, but also, damn, that looks good. <laughs> like, Like, that's a cool-looking character model <laughs> that they come up with for your fallen heroes. So yeah, so corruptions, use them responsibly. Then also talents on that layout. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about uh, those talents. What what you have? How you know what you have?
1: Well, right. You've got a series of talents. Here's here's the thing. What's on that page that you're looking at? Mm. Ultimately, it's going to be a little different in the final. I made some changes. Okay. Um. But but without getting into the the specifics um of the differences, basically your character. Every every character has a um a talent that they have to make a choice on like with wildkin it's what what type of wildkin you are. So there's there's like a sub subgroup or a sub folk or sub sub race or whatever
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that each each person for each you pick for your character. And then that has like slightly different connotations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, and then you have additional talents. And so you'll start with you'll start with some and you'll gain more as you advance. So like when I was talking about when you when you fill your skill track every time you fill that up you erase everything and you advance your character. Mm-hmm. One of the things you can do is increase one of your traits by one up to a maximum of four, or you can select another talent. Oh, okay. Character knows. So you can, you can build up those talents. And some of the talents um, are just straight up, like they gave you this ability. Some of the talents um, modify roles. Some of the talents are specifically magic-oriented. Mm. Um, some of the talents require, they're they're a little more powerful, so you have to spend spirit to use them. So you can tailor your character a lot of different ways. You can potentially play. You could have two, um, two wildkin in the group. That um, unless you manage, unless you play long enough, that everybody fills up everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you could have. You could potentially have two wildkin in the group that are very different, very right. different traits, sc- trait scores, and uh, a different selection of talents.
0: I see. I see. Do you have a certain number that you start out with?
1: um uh, well uh you normally you would start with as it's drawn on the page that you're looking at you started with those three i see um but like i said that has changed
0: oh okay okay now Now you you actually
1: you actually only start with the one that you make a choice on that there's another thing that's going to be in the game that's going to kind of take the place of one of them okay um and then um i got a number of playtesters saying that like for starting level characters it would they, they wanted to rein it back in a little bit, like not have quite as many talents to start with one. You want something to look forward to something to build to. So sure. I reduced that a little bit. Um, and that's not to say you can't house rule it and play it when you want to, or even play characters that are half advanced up, you know, through, a, they have a bunch of talents. Um, sure. But for the base, for the baseline, you'll start with a little less so that you'll have something to build to. Because when you start out, your, your traits aren't so good. Um, and you're going to be failing roles. And so you're going to be marking skill plenty. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna start gaining more talents or increasing your traits, like as you go. By the time you get long into a campaign, your traits are better. You're not marking skill as often, so you're not gaining stuff as quickly.
0: I see. Except I... For,
1: But actually what happens is it all shifts to now you when your traits become better, you don't fail as often, so you don't mark skill, but you succeed with two or more
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's more often, so you mark shadow. So you do continue to advance, you just advance with corruptions.
0: Right. Okay. Because
1: your roles force YouTube Mark Shadow more.
0: This is uh, th- th- this is good. So I'm getting yeah, bigger, better, faster, stronger, and now and now also more corruptier. It's easier. Yeah, that's
1: the That should be on the
0: back of the book. Should, yeah, yeah, bigger, Strong faster. hands, more corruptier. <laughs> yeah, this is the corruptiest <laughs> of all the corrupties. <laughs> <laughs> this is the corruptiest. Welcome to Big Strong. I have you ever wanted to? Honest.
1: Have you ever wanted to run a
0: corruptathon? Yeah, a it's corrupt-a-thon. game for you. Corruptathon brought to you by Craig Campbell, the most prolific game designer. This is his
1: 126th game this year.
0: 126th game this year, exactly. Corruptathon is the follow-up supplement book, though. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it's the first cool. supplement. It's just corruptathon, and it's all—all it's, all, it's all, all all the corrupt. supplements have, all yeah. the supplements
1: need to be plays off of the word corrupt. So it'll be like, yeah, the the corruptathon. Welcome to the corruption dome. You know, just pick up. yeah, yeah.
0: corrupt narmacon. <laughs> yeah, just wedge the word corrupt, abrupt and corrupt. You can have so many fun ones at that point. I
1: don't, I don't understand why the supplements went so dark. The book looks like a fairy tale. <laughs> this got all the dark. supplements are corrupt.
0: This got really dark. Like, remember Lord of the Rings? Just, <laughs> the, designer, the designer must be having a really bad year. Uh, yeah, I think he's going through some stuff. I know that he might yeah. feel under pressure from making those 150 different. <laughs> but, Has know. somebody reached out to him? Is he okay? I'm not sure. I think he'd- he needs a friend. And every single time you do a supplement, it's just like what happens on layers upon layers of what happens with your corruption. That's just more corruptions. Yeah, it's just more. We've got corruption. seven sheets of corruptions. It's just seven sheets of yeah. There's three talents and there's 25 different corruptions.
1: On the upside, it never falls to the void. Yeah. Just keep getting more corrupt and never quite give it up completely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like and now like,
1: you're playing the anti-hero evil game, and uh...
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, it's like I was talking to you before. Like, well, what happens to your corruptions after the void is? Like, what if what if there was just the supplement? And it's like after the void is defeated, yeah, I'm still corrupt. What am I going to do now? I'm just I'm just going to keep going. I, I'm going to start a corruptathon. It's it's like battle royale. <laughs> we'll
1: just get, yeah, you'll get creatures. together all the corrupted heroes. And yeah, that'll be the, that'll be the corruption dome. Everybody will get together and fight in the corruption dome. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Welcome, welcome to corrupt dome. <laughs> We're going in. <laughs> Hope everybody likes to see otters having a fist, having a, a knife fight, or no, with rocks. They'd be just tossing yeah. rocks at each other. Just straight up rock fight. Just a straight up rock fight. <laughs> it's, it's just that. Hey, you know what? I'd I'd pay gold to see that. I definitely would. Um. So anyway, yeah. There's there's something to look forward to in good strong hands. <laughs> good strong corruptions good strong corruptions absolutely absolutely so when um back back to the actual game um when, <laughs> when it comes uh so so uh, talked a little bit of what, about wildkin you mentioned a, a couple of the others but let's just go over some of the different um uh character species that we have uh, in addition to obviously my favorite otters the the wildkin <laughs> and and, uh-huh. and and our favorite tree people uh, and the, and the uh fairies or the the fae, um, pixies, yeah yeah, the pixies, yeah, um, what else uh can I play
1: um well, as of right now, through the stretch goals, adding more in there, mm-hmm. um fattening up the book and paying for the artwork to uh make these uh, and and the layout to do those those lovely character playbooks, um we've got like right-, right now we've got brownies, fauns, uh, humans, imps, pixies, red caps, stone kin, which are rock people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sylphs and wildkin and woodkin.
0: Oh my goodness. Now uh are red caps mushrooms?
1: No, red caps are like short kind of combative fae that are kind of misunderstood.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I, I... They
1: they dip their they dip their hats in the blood of uh the things that they defeat in battle. Oh. And that keeps keeps their caps red.
0: Oh, okay. That was darker than I thought red caps were. Yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. When I thought yeah, of red caps...
1: Well, Ims and red caps are both a little... Yeah. Yeah. A little darker.
0: Yeah, yeah. um No, when I thought of red caps, I was like, oh, maybe they're like mushroom people with the red caps on their head. And they can be fungi. Hey, know. you
1: know in 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 your house ruled version of, go for it i don't i'm not the boss of and, you.
0: and and they <laughs> still dip the tops of their heads in the blood of their enemies
1: yeah there's like a little tiny mushroom person walking around with blood dripping off their head yeah yeah it's not any less disconcerting than no, a fae with blood dripping off their head no it
0: really isn't
1: that's uh, probably a little more disconcerting yeah especially no. if they're only about a foot tall
0: yeah I know that there's going to be some people that would be walking out, seeing like just a walking mushroom with just blood dripping off the top of of the, the cap, thinking to themselves that that's still edible. No. I could, I could wash that right off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, wash, it washes off. It's all good. Wash it's it
1: off, fry it up. It'll be, it'll be fine.
0: A little seltzer. You'll be fine.
1: <laughs> little salt, a little butter. Just saute it right up.
0: Oh, yeah. it's It's delicious. Glad I went there. What I was wondering, though. Are you seeing these more as one shots or these are more like campaigns? It almost sounds like
1: I could see you. You could do it either way. I mean, OK, they, they play a little differently. You, you know, one shot versus campaign. Um, okay. I've had people run um, a game that they told a complete story in an hour. Mm. Admittedly, it was one GM, one player so that you didn't have as much time spent with other characters and players and their doings. But, you know, typically I run a game that runs like two to three hours, tells a complete story with like four players. One shots, you know, certainly work very well. I mean, my suggestion with a one shot is start out with a character that's a little more advanced, just so you have more to play with for that one game, um, maybe even have a corruption. You know, people, I, I found that in one shots, people tend to be um, more willing to use corruptions and mark shadow and everything because it's a one shot it's like i'm not going to lose my character Mm -hmm. this one game but in a campaign where you play longer then it starts to become you know people start to pay a little more attention to like whether or not they they let themselves mark that shadow and they spend spirit to stop to stop that occasionally because they know that at some point it's going to kind of bite them in the butt
0: yeah i I guess the reason why i was thinking that this almost felt like more of a campaign game was just how many things I, i would have to mark for character progression uh because yeah. it looks like you have 10 slot i mean imagine if you were doing house rules or you're doing something smaller maybe you don't maybe you don't mark 10 maybe you mark already house,
1: but... way ahead of you really uh in the game there's what's referred to as the intensity dial where you can take those 10 spots and you can reign them back to eight or seven or even to five and play the game a little differently like if you want your character to advance faster Take your, you know, fill in five of those boxes for skill permanently and just fill up five to gain, you know, to advance your character. If you want characters to tread the line of corruption very quickly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, reduce the shadow track. Um, so you can play the game like very, very long term where it's going to take a long time to get through everything. Or you can play like a shorter campaign where you tighten all those tracks up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and get to the meat faster, because you're going to, you know, like, maybe you're going to play a campaign that you're only planning it to be, like, six or seven game sessions.
0: Sure, Um, sure, absolutely. And
1: you want to have a chance to hit some of that stuff.
0: Oh, that's good. Okay, so you did actually, like, have uh, alternate rules, essentially, if uh, I can play. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, And I could do that with uh, any individual one, like, I don't, like, I could say, well, maybe a shadow's just, like, uh, five spots. Uh, but skill, yeah, you still need to do the ten. do
1: it however you want do it. I'm not gonna come want. over there and slap you around if you do it a different way than I would.
0: well, you're too busy for that <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you have that three hundred and fifty five games you have to make
1: I like there's there's nothing says all the tracks have to be the same length,
0: okay, okay, good, 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 good. um, excellent. What would be um like I, I, you've play tested, I'm sure quite a bit. Um, what are some of the examples that you would give of a campaign or a, a scenario that you would give to a party in this game?
1: Um, well, there, yeah, there's the, the idea behind the game is to not be, and and you can probably tell this from kind of like the fact that everybody's building the world together, and it uses like a lot of these fantastical creatures that aren't necessarily that common as playable um types. In a lot of games, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm try- I am try to do that with the what the, the stories might be about, too. Uh, in the GM section, there's a whole bunch of two-page story schemes, which is basically like a two-page adventure outline. Okay. Um, that gives you the basic idea. Here's a little bit of the background. Here's what the adventure is about and what the characters have to do. And then it's a whole bunch of inspirations. Like, here's NPCs. Here's questions to ask the players. Here's mm-hmm. some challenges that you can throw at them. Um, some of the things are a little more fleshed out, um, and you can just kind of craft a story out of that. Hmm. If you played enough of those camp, enough of those stories, you could develop a campaign out of them easily enough. And there's even a couple of story schemes in there that are designed for like specific types of like, there's one story scheme that is like, this is, this is the story scheme. This is the adventure you use to wrap it up. Okay. This is the one. This is where you defeat the void once and for all. And everything that's in that story scheme is kind of dependent dependent on the idea that you've had all of these other stories before because you're going to bring stuff back. Oh, there's going to be... NPCs are going to return. Themes are going to return. Got it. Okay. Um, but then in amongst the stories themselves, um, it the, the the schemes that are in there range everywhere from straight up, you know, uh, Slay the Dragon. Mm-hmm um the void has unleashed a terrible dragon on the world and it's it's burning and killing and all this stuff um two stories that are about dealing with refugees from one kingdom that's been decimated and all the all the survivors come to this other kingdom that's not prepared for them uh, and everybody there is fearful that the people that are coming in are tainted by the void and there's a lot of uh, xenophobia so you're you know you're trying to want basically the whole adventure is about integrating the the two peoples
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so it, it runs the gamut then the, you know there's some that's a little more mystical and weird there's like one that's more of a that's kind of a dungeon crawl that's imposed kind of on the characters the characters find themselves in an underground thing underground uh you know uh, uh, a maze um sure. you know there's there's a variety
0: so you could you could do almost anything that's kind of in the fantastical realm uh, with 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 good strong hands. I mean, I it sounds like you know a dungeon crawls not off the table. You're almost like campaign style, you know, adventures not really off the table. I could pretty much do anything, and I get to play an otter at the same time. Sure. Okay. Good.
1: Yeah, you can. And there's 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 stories that are like you're saving a a, a massive city. There's stories where you're putting um hosts to rest from a battlefield um where you know many people died fighting the void ages ago Mm -hmm. um there's you know where you're there's there's a story where you're um saving villagers from terrible nightmares Mm. um brought on by the void so there's yeah there's you know lots and lots of things but the idea was that i wanted it to be a lot of variety and it's not just going to be like the game there there are certainly um There's certainly an opportunity if you want to play kind of combat oriented. There can be hacky slashy kind of stuff, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot of abilities that are built around that kind of stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. your talents and stuff—they aren't all. You know, you don't have a a ton of combat capabilities. There's no tactical battle map kind of action to it. Um, Not that you couldn't put minis down on a map if you wanted to when you do have a fight. Um, sure. just to keep track of things. But there's not like rules for like flanking and all that sort of thing. Um gotcha. You know, it's uh I I I would envision that it'll be played a lot of different ways, but I think that the people who are nostalgic for some of the movies that the this is inspired by
0: mm-hmm.
1: will latch onto that some of the kind of fantastical, magical, mystical stuff that isn't necessarily just uh Combat centric,
0: right? I am going to take a wild stab that one of those properties that was inspired for this was a never-ending story.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> the, the void is just the the void is just the nothing renamed. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the, the title and the
1: title of the book is straight out of Rockbiter's mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, when you said that there was now like a a rock person class, I was like, well, see, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so so there's that. Um and uh but now can I ride a luck dragon? That's the only thing I really need to know now.
1: Why why not?
0: Exactly.
1: I I don't have one statted up in the game because you don't need it statted up in the game because all the rules are player facing. So like if the GM wants to introduce a luck right, dragon right. and you want to ride it using body to guide it or or charm to befriend it or whatever. Oh well, yeah. Yeah.
0: And you, Falcor doesn't need Falcor doesn't need stats. Falcor is so much above stats at this point. You know, what 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 stats would you give to Falcor? Falcor snubs his nose at your stats. He's he's the luck dragon. He doesn't need stats. He's that, that that's 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 beyond. <laughs> time. It's got to be fun when you get to be powerful enough that it's like stats. Pff, I don't need. Those. I don't need a stat block.
1: Or you just design a game where you don't have to have a bunch of stats because it's a lot of extra crap for the GM to deal with. And I yes. wanted a game that was more story oriented and the GM can just kind of focus on letting the players uh, help develop the world and kind of building a fantastic thing.
0: Is that why you developed this that way?
1: <laughs> with, part of it. Part of it. <laughs> well, well you... and part of it too is like it's designed for online play. It's intended to be good oh, yeah. at online play yeah, yeah. Um, because once you know the rules, a player just needs that to that two-page playbook for their character a gm just needs a two-page story scheme if you know the rules that's all you need like the gm doesn't have to manage a bunch of source books they don't have to deal with minis and maps they don't have to be flipping pages on a lot of different stuff and keeping track of stats for seven monsters and four npcs oh yeah um
0: that's good that's good yeah i think that that is like from my experience of playing online games Unless the person is really like intimately familiar with the system um there's there is gonna be quite a bit of like flipping through books and trying to <laughs> trying to look up resources quickly online absolutely uh I'm lucky enough that the one game that I'm playing in right now the person running it is on the board of directors for the company <laughs> that makes it. So she's pretty familiar with the game. But if it was me trying to tell you what to do, we would be there for a very long time just trying to figure out rule sets. Because <laughs> <laughs> I barely understand what's going on. So actually, Good Strong Hands was probably made mostly for me. For Yeah, no- I did. Yeah. It's, it's dedicated to you. Okay, good.
1: Um, there are multiple NPCs that are named after you. Great. No, there's none. There's none of that. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, if
1: you're looking for a game that is a little lighter on the rules and yeah like, invites you to just create a wonderful world together and and then save it, yeah. Um, it's the game.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I knew that you were kidding, but for a second I was like, wait, <laughs> and then I was like, no, no, no. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. As as much fun as it is being completely in the dark and just kind of like going with the flow. I do actually really like to understand what the system is when I'm playing. So, uh, and actually, from just like looking at the example page that you give me for the character playbook, um, like instantaneously, I understand basically how to play this game. <laughs> like, like this is this is actually very straightforward for me, uh, to figure out. Uh, the the only thing that wouldn't necessarily be explained right here is what I'm rolling for dice, but you've already explained that, so um, so that's easy enough for me. I just now have to make sure I have enough d sixes. Um, oh, I'm sure that that's that's what's going to keep you playing a game <laughs> that I just don't have the d sixes. No, I'm you ca- don't have D six. I I don't have six <laughs> D six around. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh no! Okay, we'll go buy, buy 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 a Yahtzee game. Yeah, I'm just take care of that.
1: Five sixths of the way there.
0: You're five sixths of the way there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I have the the polyhedron dice sets, so I got like one in each one of those. <laughs> just, sure. just put them all together. Uh, no. Was the idea behind using a D six for your dice? the fact that it's so ubiquitous among people like you don't have to have polyhedral dice sets to have these sixes lying around everybody if you're a ga- if you're a
1: gamer you have a crap ton of it if you're not a gamer and you want to try to get into gaming and this is like just like a story oriented thing where everybody's just kind of telling a story and there's not a lot of rules um mm-hmm. you probably have mm-hmm. the dice in in the house you know yeah. just between your amongst your uh, more more typical board games
0: yeah uh, either you do or they sell, like, the D6s as sets <laughs> as well. You can
1: also buy them anywhere.
0: You can. Absolutely
1: anywhere. You can buy a bunch of D6s at a convenience store, at a gas station, mm-hmm. next to the deck of cards.
0: Yeah, go to, um, you know, a casino, and just, uh, when, when they tell you to roll the dice, just, just pocket the dice, <laughs> just run away. You'll have all the dice that you want. No, I don't actually yeah. advise you to do that, because that's, that's not going life. to end well. Sounds like someone needs an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and really, what a sad way to go out.
1: Well, I, I committed theft at a casino.
0: Oh my god,
1: what did you try to steal?
0: Dice. <laughs> and then you get your ass kicked uh, uh, in jail yeah. for that, yeah. too. Nobody Nobody respects you for that. No one respects you for that, no and it's not like you can roll your dice to try and get out of that situation. It's not like you're actually in the game. That would be a very meta concept for a scenario though that you you got uh locked in a jail in your fantasy setting because you <laughs> because you tried to steal a dice and then you tried to roll your dice to get out of the jail cell. I'm going to try to pick the lock. <laughs> yeah. But I can't actually pick the lock. I can just roll dice to see if I'm good I, at lockpicking. i
1: saying that I'm going to pick
0: lock. <laughs> the The was... other
1: prisoners are looking at you. Oh, what is wrong
0: this I'm person? seeing if I can pick the lock, okay? But you don't even have a lockpick set. Just let me dream. And you're just rolling dice on the ground. I don't tell you how to live your life. Yeah. It's like, oh, success. I picked the lock. Why is the door still closed? <laughs> well, that's the that's the wonderful blurring of the line between the fantasy and the reality of the situation. Anyway, uh so uh Good Strong Hands is uh on Kickstarter right now. When does the campaign end, Craig? On Thursday, October twenty second. Thursday, October twenty-second coming right up two today as we record yep 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 uh and just a teeny bit shorter uh when this comes out it's not too many days away actually but you still have time to get in uh what are some of the um tiers Pretty straightforward. $20
1: gets you the PDF with every stretch goal and all the support material and whatnot that goes with it. $40 gets you all of that plus a hardcover. $60 gets you all of that. And your hardcover is a signed Kickstarter exclusive fancy schmancy cover that uh, will never be available for retail. So if you're the type of person who likes the cool, cool, cool stuff Mm. um, and we we have a stretch goal that's based on backer number the number of people getting the book specifically that if we get uh, enough people getting the book and I think we're going to do it, we will upgrade from it being a print on demand book to being um, an actual print run.
0: Oh, Um, and if
1: we go print run that uh, that fancy schmancy hardcover will be like leatherette with foil stamping and an alternate design.
0: Oh boy. Super
1: cool. People who have the money to spend, but you can also just get a regular hardcover. Or, you can just get the PDF,
0: yes, if you are the person who have like your own library, you want to have the nice, fancy books on the library shelf. and would... I
1: haven't shown anybody the cover design yet, and I'm really excited about it. it's It's oh, very beautiful. different from the 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 main book cover here's Here's your scoop. I try to give a scoop to every podcast that I'm on. great. um uh, the main cover, you know, is like more of a traditional kind of illustration cover of of characters doing things with the title um the uh if if well not if i mean no matter what the uh fancy hardcover the going to be a, a design it's not an illustration
0: I'll say that okay
1: or it's not just an illustration of characters it's a it's kind of a cool design that kind of exemplifies the game and what it's about oh very nice it It might it might be heraldry like what's being uh, designed for the book i could see being as heraldry on a banner. For example, um, or a tabard.
0: Okay, I I can I can kind of envision it in my head, right? now, and I I'm liking this very much. Very cool. Yeah, I, and I also appreciate that the tier levels are so straightforward. Because sometimes it it gets a little bogged down. I've seen yeah, I've it, seen kickstarters with like twenty five different levels. <laughs> and I, it starts to feel a little too much like when they're they're trying to sell me like a video game with all the different special edition packages. <laughs>
1: When you when you gotta have a spreadsheet on the page yeah. to, to, to to clarify what things come with each yeah. record level, yeah. And it's, don't get me wrong, there are there are companies out there that do that, and they do it really well. Yeah. Monte Cook Games is really solid at it. They have great products and they they offer like tiers that do all sorts of different combinations. Sure. But boy, oh boy, that's that can get
0: complicated. Like, oh, oh, boy, what do I want? Yeah, and especially because you have to you know manage the what is it now five hundred and seventy eight or so games that you're making. you know, you have to yeah. you have to try and keep things a little bit more straightforward and simple. so that's good. And I think that that lends itself very well to you know just how you lay out. Uh, books like Good Strong Hands to try and make them, you know, straightforward and and easy to understand. Your backer levels kind of exemplify that as well. I don't know if that was by design, but
1: I don't, I don't screw around. I keep it simple.
0: You keep it simple. <laughs> so no, it's
1: a straightforward game. I kept the uh, the Kickstarter as straightforward as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what you got to do? This is my this is my new idea for a game for you. Is uh, <laughs> it is, is is like old but uh, you call it kiss and it's the keep it simple stupid and it is it is an rpg about building rpgs it's rpg section <laughs> i don't well, know that i would like playing that. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah. I suppose you could probably come up with
1: something i don't know
0: it's, it'd be very it would be very <laughs> tongue in cheek it would be a little bit closer to probably like die laughing
1: I larp I larp that game like nearly every day. Yes. <laughs> it's very very convincing my larp. My my role playing game design larp is very convincing and there's a lot of bleed. It definitely bleeds over into the
0: rest of my life. Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of people playing along with you. Uh it, to <laughs> to be honest.
1: But we're just not all in the same place. We're
0: we're not, we're not, all not using in the same rule set. No. No. We're not we're no. It's always a different rule very set. Very freeform. Yep very free very free form there doesn't seem to be a very oh, yeah. like straightforward set of mechanics you, you kind of make the mechanics up as you go along Craig if uh, folks out there wanted to find out more information uh, about good strong hands or any of the stuff that you do where could they go
1: uh, well for the next couple of weeks you can go to Kickstarter uh, and search good strong hands or use the link that uh, that uh, elve will provide mm-hmm. Um. Outside of that, I am at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter. Uh there's nerdburgergames.com where um, I've got all sorts of stuff going on there, um, including um a store and whatnot, including which which also includes the uh the fancy capers hardcover, the deluxe hardcover that we made. Um, and then um also everything is available at DriveThroughRPG.com.
0: Perfect. And uh, as for us, and everybody who listens to the show probably already knows this, you can find everything that we do over at DelveCast.com. In addition to this show, and some of the other shows that I do, and some of the other videos that I make, uh, yeah, everything everything is right over there. Including, when you see this post, uh, links, yes, to the Kickstarter, and uh, I'll try to throw a link in there too for uh, Nerdburger Games as well, so that we have those uh, readily available when you visit the site woo well, woohoo, you, Woo-hoo, indeed. And while you are there, maybe go and click on our Patreon. Uh, over there, we do some extended stuff, as well as uh, some things that I just put out there early and uh, stuff that I don't necessarily put onto the normal site. So you can check it all out there. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Citanium, Alex is at EXP Limited, and the show is at Delft Podcast. So follow along if you want to know immediately when things come on the air. Well, not really the air because it's podcasting, but but drop into a feed. Because <laughs> yes. this isn't really radio, but it's kind of radio adjacent. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, Craig, I want to thank you for coming on for the, I don't remember how many times, but it's been a few. And, yes, yes. But we're always glad to hear from you, and uh, we're always glad to check in uh, and see what you were up to. Because, you know, out of the 500 or 600 or so games that you're making, it's good that we're able to get you on for at least, like, one-tenth of those.
1: Designed three more games while we were talking.
0: You designed three more while we were talking? Good. Well, you know, if you, if you you <laughs> if you design, like, another seven or so, we'll have you come on to talk about one of them. There's a goal. No, actually, no, don't don't make Craig do that, please. <laughs> I know I've been joking about that the whole episode. Don't ask Craig to make 600 more games. He's,
1: oh, no, I don't have that kind of time. No,
0: he really doesn't. Really don't.
1: He's Just he's, he's We're taking enough. all the air out of our joke that we built up through the whole episode. I, no, I don't I, really make that.
0: I, no, you you really don't. But he he makes enough of them as it stands, folks. You you should be very happy with the amount of Games that Craig makes.
1: Please be satisfied.
0: Please be satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.